Thank you very much. That's wonderful. Very, very good, a very helpful introduction because we're talking, aren't we, this morning about the Bible explored and sometimes when people look in the Bible they kind of get a little bit confused and they kind of don't know really what's going on in it and they, they read it and they think, what on earth was that all about? And, and it's a little bit like following a map without any, without any words on it, any pictures on it, isn't it? And, and I think over the next three times, I'm preaching anyway, over the next three times when I'm taking service, I'm going to look at the Bible explored, then on the next week I'm going to look at the Bible next time, I'm going to look at the Bible applied and thinking, when we read it, how does it actually help us to do stuff and help us to understand stuff? So kind of unpacking the Bible a bit. And the third time is Bible imbued. And I had to look that up, actually, to check it meant what I thought it meant. But it kind of is a two-word thing. The Bible imbued, the kind of way that you actually soak up the Bible and kind of receive from the Bible and just kind of are uplifted and and kind of fed from the Bible. So Bible explored is this week, Bible um, applied the following time, and the Bible imbued. Those are the next few weeks. Now, just as a bit of an introduction to the Bible, I'm going to get the guides to come up and read, Anna and the others come up and read, um, some short Bible verses, and these are looking at how, well, what the Bible says about itself, really. It says about the word, about the law, that's all the same kind of word for the Bible. So can you just have those, those short Bible readings about what the Bible says about itself, about the word, about the law, which in other words for the Bible. Psalm 110, verses 1 to 6. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their hearts. They do not wrong, no wrong but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. Psalm 119, verses 105 to 106. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light on my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it, that I will follow your righteous law. Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundations on the rocks. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. But as for you, continue what you have learned and, be con- and become convinced of, because you know those whom you have learned it, and how from infancy have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through the faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and teaching in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
Thank you very much for those readings from the Bible about the Bible. So then, the Bible explored. As I say, it's not going to be a long sermon. Do not worry. And um, but I just want to just to have the first picture. Can we have the first picture? Because I looked at it's a family service. I thought the Bible explored. What better picture? Can you remember? I can't really remember her. It just came into my mind as I was thinking about it. Dora the Explorer. I thought it's a family service. Dora the Explorer. And I looked up and I watched some of her videos and I thought, well. That is kind of irritating because it's kind of like she's got a really irritating voice. And then she goes and explores kind of really irritating things. She explores Dora saving the mermaids, it says, and Dora's fairy tale adventures. And I thought, what on earth can you do with Dora the Explorer? So I thought what I'd do is I'd try and find something which, for me, maybe not for you, if you like Dora the Explorer, and also there are no books on Dora the Explorer. Clearly, she's out of vogue. But if you don't like Dora the Explorer, if you actually look at something a little bit more exciting, I looked at a few other kind of explorers. Let's have a few pictures of them, okay? We've got the first one, Christopher Columbus. I don't know if anybody knows anything about Christopher Columbus, what he explored. Does anybody know? I'll know once I've got my glasses on and I can double check. What did he find? Does anybody know what he found, Christopher Columbus? He found the Americas. Well done, Mark. That's wonderful. By accident. Well, he probably wouldn't have said that, but he did. You're right. He found the Americas. He also found turkey and pineapples, okay? We are very grateful to him, clearly for turkey and pineapples. Not quite so sure about the Americas. Then there was Francis Drake as well. You may remember the first Englishman. What did he do? He sailed around the around the world, didn't he? The first Englishman who sailed around the world. And he came back with potatoes, didn't he? And guinea pigs. And obviously potatoes and guinea pigs, very helpful for our great British dish. Thankfully, fish and chips. Not guinea pig and chips. No, he didn't think that was a good combination. But anyway, so Francis Drake as well. And then what about this person? Sacra Gawea. I don't know. How do you say it? Thank you so much, because I really couldn't say her name. When you Google, you can't say it, can you really? What did she do? Hmm? She's in a museum. Fantastic. She's in a museum. Not her personally, because it was quite some years ago. But she was a woman explorer and adventurer. And, and I mean, what she did was she, she went. She was a guide for these two people called Clark and Lewis. It sounds like a department store. But anyway, she was a guide for them, wasn't she? And she went to find Louisiana, apparently. Obviously, first of all, Columbus found America. She went to other parts of America. She went to Louisiana, and she was a guide. And she took these poor Clark and Lewis, these two men, and she was a guide for them. She found root vegetables and told them what's safe to eat. She cooked it. And she also, well, I don't know whether she tidied up their tents for them. She also interpreted for them. And she was actually, she was the one who enabled them to have their explorations. I don't know who was behind, as it were, Columbus and Sir Francis Drake. Probably a good woman there. Not only did she do that, but also she did that with a two-month month old baby on her back she didn't just borrow a baby it was her own baby she fed the baby as she was going around exploring what a woman there we go so there's our explorers there doing exciting things now let's go a little bit more up to date with explorers we have got who have we got we've got Lawrence Oakes does anybody remember what he did or what he said he's most famous as an Antarctic explorer. And I guess he's most famous for sacrifice because there was a certain point at which he was in the Antarctic and he knew that he got gangrene and he knew that he got frostbite and he knew that things weren't good for him. But he also knew that his friends were very loyal and they would have stayed with him and probably died themselves. So he said, and he went outside the tent and he walked off into the snow. It wasn't a romantic moment, it was a sacrificial moment because he then died. He walked off into the snow and he said, I am going outside. I may be some time. 
He was sometime. He never came back again. But that's the story of, of an adventurer who was a sacrificial adventurer. He bothered about his friends. And then there was Neil Armstrong. What did he do? He was the first man on the moon. That's right, Carol. And what did he say? That's one small step for man and a great leap for mankind. Wonderful. Don't they? They just, I mean, they must have spent a lot of time perhaps in his little moon buggy. He must have spent a lot of time thinking, mustn't he? What am I going to say when I land on moon? But anyway, he's misquoted or said he was misquoted. So there we go. Those are some of our adventurers, some of our explorers. But there's a woman there as well. I thought I'd add a woman, Sally Ride. She was, Sally, obviously, she was the first American woman to go into space. That's what you find when you Google American women who go into space. I mean, what a woman. I was going to say that she was the first one who went into space being a woman. So those are things. What can we learn, can we, from these kind of adventurers? Sacrifice with the Lawrence Oaks. A bit like Jesus saying, I'm going to Jerusalem. He knew what was going to happen afterwards. One small step for man, he might well have said. And a giant leap for mankind. I could have talked all day on perhaps, you know, some of these parallels and things like that. And then also about, you know, finding food, finding new things, you know, rather like manna in the desert. But I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to say that the Bible is packed of full of amazing stories. It is the best book ever. The Bible is, let's go on to the next slide. And can I have some light here, please? Because I really can't see. I'm trying my glasses. I'm other glasses, but it's all to do with the light. That's brilliant. Thank you very much. Can you still see that? Yeah? Good? Hopefully. Best book ever. The Bible is the best-selling book of all time and has always been. It sells 100 million copies sold every second of the Bible, which is amazing. I mean, most of them are sold to me because I leave them around. Colin gave me one Bible back that Andrew had left last week. So we leave them around everywhere and you have to buy new ones. And then also I have to buy new ones, actually the print that I can read. Clearly not working today. But anyway, but lots of people obviously buy the Bible. And the Bible is translated into 2,000. 426 languages. It is a really precious and important book. So the Bible exploration is an important thing to do. Now I'm going to show you a video clip that's actually, well I'm not, Colin is hopefully, depending on technology, which I got Facebook messaged with by this guy from, um, from London, Noble Samuel, and he Facebook messaged me this one. But it's a brilliant clip. It's even better if you see the end of it, but it's better quality, isn't it, on YouTube? And I'll explain the end later. But this is some people... I believe in China, actually receiving for the first time Bibles. And they knew about the Bibles. People in that country at certain points only had bits of the Bible and they used to really, really find them precious. But here, they're receiving Bibles. Let's see what their reaction is, how exciting it is for them.
it does actually reflect, doesn't it? It was like at the beginning of the clip, you're like, really excited because the Bible's and they realised what was in there. But then there was just this quiet. And then as the clip continues, it's just the silence as they're just getting into the word of God. Sometimes we leave our Bibles about. Sometimes we don't even read them. But there, they're really excited about having them. And it's really, really important to them, as you can see from the way that they're reacting. The Bible then, the next clip, Slip. Next slide. Is about the beginnings of life, the world and everything. There's some fantastic stories in the Bible. If you really get into it, the stories of battles, the stories of epic journeys, rather like some of the Antarctic journeys, the shipwrecks, there's the stories about goodies and baddies and how goodies triumph. There's all sorts of wonderful stories in the Bible. So really get into it. The next one. The Bible is all about history. Oh, it's about beginnings, isn't it? It's about the beginnings of all sorts of things. It's about the beginnings of the world. It's about the beginnings of humanity. It's about the beginnings of everything. The Bible has got so many different stories in it. Let's go into the next slide. And the Bible's about history. There's particular bits of the Bible that are mainly historic, historical books. Joshua to Esther, that kind of whole stretch of the Old Testament, is history about the, the people of God, about you know, the beginnings of what was then going on to be Christianity, but also Judaism. But we're moving on. So the next thing, the Bible is all about life stories. It's about the life stories of real people. Some people try and kind of dish the Bible and say, well, that's not true. There wasn't really a person called Moses. There wasn't really a person called Adam. There wasn't really a person called Jesus, but there was. These are real stories is about real live people and it's fantastic to actually read so also the next one apparently i've kind of missed out on this but apparently in the bible there is comedy i don't really think there's too much comedy in the bible i think part of the reason for that is because it's actually an intensely important book and some people well the people who wrote it took it really seriously but some people say there are amusing bits in the bible i couldn't find much when i was looking i found one bit that people say so funny i found really rather unamusing about how you it's easier for a rich man to get to heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle Are you laughing? No, not really. It's not actually amusing. That's the bit. When you go on comedy in the Bible, that's the bit that they show you and say, oh, the Bible's in a barrel of laughs. Not really true. The bit that I found amusing, close your ears if you're a bit squeamish, was how the Philistines were sent, because they took the Ark of the Covenant of God away, they were sent plagues of hemorrhoids and plagues of mice. And then in the Bible it says that they were told to give it back and give a guilt offering back to the Israelites, and they sent back a guilt offering was five hemorrhoids and five golden mice, five golden hemorrhoids and five golden mice. I find that quite amusing, but it's the only bit I found amusing in the Bible. The Bible is also full of teaching. In, I mean, bits of the Bible is specifically teaching. There's Proverbs, um, where there's loads of teaching. There's a sermon on the Mount with lots of teaching. There's teaching throughout the Bible. And, and there are bits of it where you think, well, that's an interesting bit. That's a teaching bit. That's a history bit. And, and all the Bible is all sorts of different books. There's another bit in the Bible, sections of the Bible, which are kind of weird bits, like visions and dreams. And, you know, bits is almost stranger than fiction because actually it's, it's stuff where I've got a picture of a ladder there because in the Bible there's a bit where Jacob sees a ladder and it's like a vision from God going from earth back to heaven and angels going up and down on it. And, and I mean, that's kind of a bit weird, isn't it? There's bits in the Bible and Revelation and Daniel, there's bits in the Bible that are like visionary bits where people are kind of having all sorts of wild imagining things. But when you read it, with that in mind, you kind of don't take it so literally, but it does help you to understand something about the power and the magnificence of God. And then there's this in the Bible, which is entirely appropriate on this weekend. There's romance. I mean, Adam and Eve, the first relationship. Rachel and Jacob, do you know that bit in the Bible where this poor guy, Jacob, falls in love with Rachel and he works for seven years to get his wife, Rachel, from her, his father-in-law and then he gives him the wrong wife. He ends up with Leah, so he has to work for another seven years. That's really sad. That's romance. And then the Song of Songs, which is a whole book dedicated to romance as well in the Bible. All sorts of stuff when you start exploring the Bible because really 
I suppose summing it up, and I have to sum it up, I do apologise for my very quick speech because, obviously, I'm trying to get through this stuff, or last couple of slides. The last one is about the fact that the Bible is a love story. It's a love story because it's the love story of God who loves us, writing through others, clearly, but writing to his people. It's summed up, really, in one of the most famous biblical passages, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the sort of love that inspired the stuff, inspired the history. That's his story and our story. Inspired the history, inspired everything that's written in the Bible is, is the love of God. And him wanting to be interactive with us and wanting to speak to us. So just as we reflect on this first of the series of three, about the Bible explored. What about you? Have you explored the Bible? Have you looked at it? Have you looked at it and thought, well, I'm starting with Genesis, but this really isn't rocking my boat. I don't understand it. If you look to the Bible and you really don't understand it, come to me, and I'm not telling you I know everything, but I can give you ways of helping to actually understand more of it. But also, if you haven't really looked at the Bible, whether you really believe, whether you're really a Christian or not, but if you are a Christian and you've not looked at the Bible, you know, it's a real shame because you really are missing out. There's so much in it. You really need to consider what are you taking in? What are you actually receiving? It says in 2 Timothy, and we heard it earlier, 3.14, all scripture is God-breathed and profitable to teaching, rebuking, training, and righteousness. What it means is, is we need, if we're to learn more about God, we need to breathe in more of the Bible. I'll just give you an example about breathing in stuff. I was in a room in a house, and there were three people smoking in the room, and I think that was quite smoky. And as I was there, like this, somebody got out, one of the people got out the spray, you know, the air freshener. I said, no, please, I'm in the window. Because I'm going to call you, and I'm going to smoke. It's not going for anybody, and air freshener's almost going. And I just think sometimes in our lives, whether we're Christian or not, we need to stop reading in some of the good stuff. We need to breathe in the word of God. And it, and it says, doesn't it, that all scripture is God breathed. It's like God breathing out to us. And I would challenge you this week as you think about, maybe, think about what was being said this morning about the Bible, about, you know, that being explored in your lives. Start breathing in the word of God. Breathe it in and it really will speak to you. It really will actually impact your life. Breathe in that breath of God. Just for a moment, just as we finish, just as the end, let's just shut our eyes and just think. What are you breathing in? I pray, Lord, that we will breathe in the breath of God. Breathe in some of the words from the Bible. I've come to bring you life, life in all its fullness, Jesus said. I am the Lord who heals you. As we breathe in the healing scriptures of God, that healing actually becomes effective in our lives. If we need healing now, just look into the scripture and, and search for the bits. And if you struggle, just search for those bits and, and just really read and, and, and read them as words over your life to express and to receive God's healing. If we're in need of forgiveness, breathe in the word. There is no condemnation for those who believe and belong to Jesus. I pray today that we'll be able to breathe in some of that really good stuff. The breath of our faithful, loving God.
Amen.